Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Topping the news today, good news on the horizon for cattle producers. Now, I know right now things don't seem all that great. The packers are making the money, and the feeders and the cow-calf guys aren't reaping the benefits. But Cattle Facts tells us that situation is going to shift soon. Cattle producers will soon have the leverage and be in the driver's seat. We'll talk more about that to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Wheat prices are staying strong, so as planting begins in the Texas High Plains, you know farmers are seeking high yields. But along with quantity, the quality of their wheat is also important. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Farmers are beginning to defoliate their South Plains cotton. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Fed cattle prices continue to stagnate in the low 120s, while boxed beef prices remain high. That seems to suggest that packers still have the upper hand when it comes to keeping a lid on cattle prices. Kevin Good with Cattle Facts says it's all a matter of packers having the leverage in the market right now. But he believes that's about to change in favor of cattle producers. Unfortunately, we've had plenty of cattle in the system over the last few years. And the packing community, when they had their tough times going from 2000 to 2015, they took a lot of uh, shackles out of the system. Uh, We built a herd back up. They haven't added shackles yet, but they are in the process of doing that. So the combination of what we would suggest is a million head less cattle going through the system over the next three to four years on an annual basis and a packing community that we think by 23 and 24 will have added 5,000 plus on a daily basis, that combination would suggest that the uh, cattle producers' leverage is going to be substantially better. Cattle Facts is projecting fed cattle prices to move up to an average of 135 next year, with yearlings moving to 165 and calves averaging $200 in 2022. Although many Texas crops are behind the average pace of development this year, Texas farmers are wasting no time in getting those crops harvested. Combines have been rolling across much of Texas over the past few weeks as Texas farmers harvest corn, cotton, rice, sorghum, and other crops. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, 70% of the Texas corn crop has already been harvested. That's four points ahead of our five-year average. 17% of the crop is rated excellent, about 10% is very poor to poor. 
19% of the Texas cotton crop has already been harvested. That is two points ahead of our average. USDA reports about 15% of that crop is rated excellent. About 9% of our cotton is very poor to poor. Looking to the coast, about 92% of the Texas rice crop has already been harvested. That's about four points behind our five-year average. 16% is rated excellent. 58% is rated good. Grain sorghum harvest is also progressing, with 73% of it already cut. 63% of the crop is rated good to excellent. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's been a great year for growing grass here in Texas, and cattle producers need to take advantage of that as we move into the fall. Sarah Lanine is a cattle technical consultant for Elanco Animal Health. We've been blessed with quite a bit of rainfall in the Texas area, and so we've been able to really utilize grazing. So that's the most um, effective and also economical way to deliver nutrients. So anything we can do to keep them out on pasture. Um, Also, we've seen an increase in feed prices. So the least amount of feed we can supply to them, the more economical for the producer. And then as well for those wean calves. So often, as we see those feed prices grow, we may want to switch some of our nutritional focus on getting forage into them or something other than a grain source um, to try and balance out that gain with an economical way of feeding the animal. Sarah Lanine with Elanco. The State Fair of Texas gets underway this weekend, and all of the long-running agricultural traditions are back at the fair. Carissa Condoyanis is the State Fair Senior Vice President for Communications. She says it's great to have the livestock shows back on the fairgrounds. That's right. You know, more than 3,000 kids will compete and show animals in five divisions that are vying for the 435 sale lots in this year's Big Tex Youth Livestock Auction. Now, this consists of Texas 4-H, FFA, and SCCLA graduating seniors that compete at the fair throughout their career, and we're looking forward to welcoming everyone back. We were able to host a smaller livestock show last year, as well as a hybrid portion with our friends down at the heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo, Um, but we're excited to have all of our shows back here at the State Fair of Texas this year and welcome all of those students back. We can have upwards of 5,000 out here competing in different events throughout the run of the fair. Condo Giannis says the Texas State Fair is committed to supporting and educating Texas youth. The fair was founded on agriculture and education. It's a huge piece of who we are and our foundation as a nonprofit organization. It's something that we are dedicated to and helping support future education of our future leaders. At the fair, it's a great opportunity for all of our fairgoers to become educated about Texas agriculture. We have so many ways for fairgoers to get engaged in agriculture and learn more. From our Livestock 101 stage and livestock tours, the Big Texas Farmyard and our petting zoo. And we even a few years ago introduced the Livestock Birthing Barn where you can actually be witness to maybe a calf being born, definitely baby chicks being born every day. The Texas State Fair runs through October 17th. Texas wheat farmers are always pushing for higher yields, but James Hunt tells us there are incentives out there that may also have them pushing for a higher quality crop. With wheat prices staying strong, Texas High Plains farmers have extra incentive to push for high yields this season. But right along with quantity, Texas A&M AgriLife wheat breeder Jackie Rudd says producing good quality wheat can pay off for area farmers. It's not really as obvious as I wish that it was, but I just have to believe that the more our region is sourced because of a particular quality trait, then the higher our basis is going to be. You know, that's really just a local elevator price compared to futures price. And it just, I really think that that has to make a difference. 
I'm not an economist, but I get called from millers that do buy from elevators, and they want to know a little bit about what our varieties are like, so that's important. The reason why millers are calling Dr. Rudd is because most of the wheat produced in our region goes to bread baking. Now, what's the criteria for judging the quality of wheat? Dr. Rudd says it includes things like test weight, seed size, and protein content. And pursuing high-quality wheat is really a season-long endeavor. They're in the season. They need to choose their variety carefully before planting, do a soil test, and really what's needed is balanced fertility. It's not necessarily, you know, extremely high nitrogen, but it's just got to be a balanced fertility. And you have to have nitrogen, enough nitrogen for the grain yield, plus enough nitrogen for the protein content. So I think just keeping the plant as healthy as possible in, in a dry land situation, you can't always do that. But if it gets off to a good start and makes it through the winter and has the disease and insect resistance, you don't have too much loss due to that, then it's going to be, if the variety is good, you know, it's going to make some good wheat. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton farmers on the Texas Southern Plains are moving closer to harvest. Tom Nicoletti has an update from the Lubbock area. Joining us from West Texas today is Eddie Griffiths with his report on what the cotton is looking like at this juncture in just the first few days of autumn. And uh, Eddie, what uh, does the cotton look like? Well, Tom, you know, predominantly throughout the summer, cotton has looked really good. And we're hoping that this fall that, that we'll reap some reward especially from the moisture and the uh, optimal growing conditions throughout the summer months. I think it's probably still up in the air yield-wise out of this crop. We know that we've got a dry land crop out there, and there hasn't been much to talk about, you know, the past few years dry land-wise in West Texas. So that'll help boost yield numbers in this area. But as far as individual numbers and, and what producers are seeing out of individual fields, that's still going to be up in the air because we have to remember this was a late crop. We did get the moisture, but we're going to need a long fall to get this crop to the end. Now you have seen some farmers uh, beginning the defoliation process uh, here in late September. Yeah, just recently, probably a day ago, started seeing some defoliation out in the fields, starting to try to get that out. And primarily a lot of the dry land crop in the area have I know guys are trying to make up their mind whether they're going to try to put something out on it right now or not, just simply because most of the crop is stressed and trying to get those harvest aids to work adequately in that stress condition may be tough at this time. So guys are going to be trying. They're going to want to get that crop out of there, not leave it in the field any longer than they have to. But it's been amazing watching this crop, how fast it's maturing and, and bowls are opening. That is Eddie Griffiths reporting for us today from West Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. National Hunting and Fishing Day is coming up and a few hunting seasons end this weekend in Texas. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have those stories coming up on Texas Ag Today. And is it okay for dogs to eat a grain-based diet? That's an area of discussion that Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes up coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, 
We're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There's a lot of discussion out there about whether or not dogs should have grain in their diet. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at the issue. Grain-free pet foods are common on the market, and current marketing suggests that dogs should not eat a diet with grain as an ingredient due to potential allergies or that grains are not digestible in dogs. Marketing also suggests that dogs are derived from wolves and can only digest meat. Although this marketing has been widely successful, both claims are incorrect. Grain is highly digestible in dogs and has been for thousands of years. Many prey that are eaten by canines in the wild are eaten completely, and the entire body is eaten. Wild carnivores, such as wolves, do not pick the meat off the bones, but eat the entire animal they kill. And many of these smaller animals eat grains as part of their diets. Also, grain allergies are very rare in dogs, and dogs can digest grains, and the future trend is for feeding natural plant-based ingredients. Also, many consumers are now shying away from grain-free pet foods because contrary to the marketing campaigns, grain-free food can be detrimental in some dogs, as it can lead to heart disease. Jennifer Whitlock reports in the publication Texas Agriculture that grain sorghum has a lower glycemic index than many other grains, which is good since many dogs are becoming diabetic in this country. Sorghum is available in over 150 products from 15 different pet food companies, and this is one area that the United States Grain Sorghum Checkoff Program supports. So if you're seeing grain sorghum listed in the ingredients in your dog's food, that's okay and should not be a reason not to purchase the food. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Some hunting seasons are wrapping up soon here in Texas while National Hunting and Fishing Day approaches. Jessica Domel tackles both of those topics in today's Wildlife Report. Texans can celebrate the legacy of hunting and fishing in the state this weekend at the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center in Athens. The center will host the Sunfish Showdown from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Saturday in conjunction with National Hunting and Fishing Day. The event will include a mentor-based fishing tournament, pairing adults and children up to enjoy fishing. There will be prizes for the biggest fish, most caught fish, and smallest fish, and there will be door prizes. Texas game wardens, including a few that appear on the television show Lone Star Law, will also be at the event. Additional information on the event is available on the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center Facebook page and their website. Again, that event is from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Saturday at the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center in Athens. A few hunting seasons will wrap up this weekend in Texas. The early Canada geese season for the East Zone ends Sunday, as does the first part of the season for rails, gallinules, and moorhens. Teal season also closes on Sunday. Kevin Cry, waterfowl program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says there are several species of teal in Texas that you can hunt. So the blooming teal is the second most abundant duck in North America. 
which is pretty awesome. There are other teal species. Second on that list would be green wing teal. Not super common during teal season, especially on the Gulf Coast. A little different than the panhandle. There's days where, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag. You can get half and half. But they're a little bit later migrator. And then there's the cinnamon teal, which is primarily a Western United States bird. There is a growing number of cinnamon teal visiting Texas. Additional details about those seasons are available in the Outdoor Annual booklet on OutdoorAnnual.com and on the Outdoor Annual app. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mixed trade on Thursday in the cattle complex. Some contracts higher, some contracts lower. Meanwhile, cotton and grains continue to climb higher. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Whenever you're operating, secure your load, raise your equipment, and avoid getting stuck or causing damage. Minimize distractions. Remember, noisy equipment drowns out the sound of a train. Unless you're crossing, always keep a safe distance from train tracks. Look. Listen. Live. For more info, go to oli.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mixed close in the cattle futures complex on Thursday. We ended up closing mix. Some contracts higher, some contracts lower. We'll start with live cattle. October down five cents, one twenty three twenty two. The December up seven, one twenty eight sixty two. February live cattle up thirty five at one thirty two ninety five. September feeder cattle were up 10, 154.90. October feeders down 82, 156.85. The November down 12, 158.10. Cash fed cattle market seeing a fairly active trade at the middle of the week. We sold most of our cattle here in Texas at 124 to 124 and a quarter. The remaining cattle on the show list priced at 125. Boxed beef lower on Thursday. Choice. Down 43 cents at 307.40. The select down 69, 274.81. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's head over to Lockhart and see how they sold cattle a week ago today. That little country ball of fire, Madison Bexley, is on the line. Maddie, how did things turn out? We had 1481. We had 196 cows and 27 bulls, 213 sellers and 84 buyers. Walk the pins with us. A few of the better pairs would have brought from 11 to 13.50. The mediocre and middle-aged from 8 to 10.75. The good bred cows from 9 to 12.75. The mediocre middle-aged and shortbreds from six and a quarter to 8.75. Uh, the longhorn and the planer cows from three to 600. Packer cows and bulls would have been about steady with the week ago. The good high-yielding cows from 67 to 78. The medium-yielding from 58 to 66. The low-yielding and lightweight cows from 25 to 57. The good high-yielding packer bulls from 88 to 96. The low, medium-yielding and lightweight bulls from 70 to 86. And on the cows in Yearlands, they sold a little mix with the good quality cattle weighing under 550, mostly steady on a good active market. Uh, the bigger calves in Yearlands and the one and one-and-a-half kinds would sure probably be a couple dollars lower. Are you aware of anything for next week, Maddie? The guy that had the red bramers last week, he's going to pin some more this week. We're supposed to get those early in the week. Got any more of those Oreo cows this week? <laughs> we'll see. Maybe Oreo cows in a long Again. All right. That, that's a good pair. 
You got a you got a petting zoo startup right there. We we do. We All right, do. tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Maddie. Yeah, Larry, you can always check us out on Facebook, or you can call the barn at five one two. 398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. Thank you, Maddie. Texas Neighbors, I'm Larry Marble. You've been walking the pens with Maddie and I on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day to you and see you tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. Closed higher. The October up 90 cents, 84.75. December hogs took a big jump up 3.12, closing at 76.50. Class 3 milk was slightly lower. September down 6 cents, 16.54 a hundredweight. October milk down 8 at 17.27. We've seen a nice recovery in the cotton market this week after that big 300-point drop on Monday. One reason is that we've seen a nice recovery in the financial markets. The Dow sharply higher again on Thursday, also seeing a lower U.S. dollar and a very friendly U.S. export report. The export sales number, 345,000 bales for the week. China was the top buyer. We closed with October cotton up 148 points, 93.31. December cotton up 159 to close at 92.46. Those same factors helping to boost corn prices Thursday. December corn up three and three quarters, 529 and a quarter. And we can say the same story for the wheat market. Add in the fact that the U.S. plains are very dry right now as we get into wheat planting season. The seven-day forecast, mostly dry for most of the U.S., and that concerns a lot of people trying to get a wheat crop in the ground right now. We close with July Kansas City wheat up 11 and a half, 721 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up 9 and a quarter at 713 and a quarter. November rough rice down five and a half to close at 1383 a hundredweight. November soybeans up one and a half, 1284 and a quarter. October soybean meal down $1.30, 336 60 a ton. In the energy markets, October natural gas was up 21 cents, 501. November crude oil up 84. 7307 a barrel. The financial market strongly higher Thursday. The Dow up 567 points, 34,825. The Nasdaq up 171 at 15,068. The S&P up 60 points, 4,455. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then, right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.